Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good afternoon and good evening, Undying Light listeners, and welcome to another new episode. I am your host, Alex, and we are back at it uh, with a new series. You know, I kind of pondered a little bit before we get into the topic at hand. I pondered my opening, and and I feel like, you know, when I say, you know, your, your host, Alex, I feel like it just kind of falls flat. And so I'm really considering just saying, you know, this is, you know, your host, Pastor Alex, because I feel like that gives it a little bit more context. I am a pastor and, you know, and that's my biggest focus is my church ministry and obviously uh, this podcast. So I don't know, I'm playing with that idea a little bit. But anyways, that aside, what we've got in store for you in the next couple of weeks is a lot of content. Uh, and it really begins with this Friday. Uh, which is December 3rd, uh, and we will have an episode each Friday as we normally do. So we'll have the 3rd, the 10th, and the 17th, and we're going to have our Christmas series, uh, and it's titled Christ in Christmas. Uh, so we're going to break down that today, and we're going to spend the next couple of weeks looking at it. Uh, and then we will have our Christmas Eve episode on the 24th, and then I'll probably record maybe just a short little piece for the 25th, nothing too long. Um, but just one that really hammers home, you know, the concept that Christ is here present. He's already, you know, he's already been born. And we'll we'll get into that uh, as we kind of move into uh, this series. So then uh, we'll pick back up with our uh, story uh, series that we've been doing previous to this. We will look at uh, our next book in the Old Testament. Uh, that'll begin the 31st. But... Uh, you'll get another bonus episode. I haven't decided if I'm going to release it that Saturday or if I'm going to wait until the following Tuesday like I usually do. So if I do a Christmas Day episode, I think it's appropriate to do a New Year's Day episode. And that is where we will have our uh, we're going to stick with the word rantathon right now. But there is something brewing and I've got a panel um, and we're going to record next week. So I'm very excited for this. And, and I pray that uh, this will be edifying to the church body. So uh, be on the lookout for the 10th 
um, some announcements coming down your way as to all of the details surrounding that particular episode. So that is that. That's the schedule. Looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Um, but today, uh, I wanted to dig into this concept of Christ in Christmas and look at it from a, a biblical perspective and try and walk us through what's really been going on uh, in you know in this kind of culture of Christmas. And I, I want to um, really highlight you know the importance. Uh, that Christ plays in this season and not just, you know, uh, Christmas Eve or the Advent Sundays and Christmas Eve, but every single day throughout the entire year, this is something that's incredibly important for Christians to understand and recognize. So before we really get into kind of the meat of this topic, we're going to look at uh, one particular passage, and that is uh, John chapter one, and we're going to look at the incarnation and the word. And I I really, again, want to highlight this, that Christmas isn't some abstract idea. It's not a hallmark holiday. It's not a federal holiday that the government decided, hey, on this day, we're just going to celebrate with food and gifts and everybody gets a paid day off. Uh, This is a moment in time that Christians recognize that Jesus actually physically came to earth in the form of a man born of a virgin in a manger, whether you you know, say it's in a barn or a cave or whatever, but this is a historical event, one that has taken place. And this moment was for the purpose to bring sinners back to God. It was our reconciliation to God. And so, you know, I I'd pondered finding a particular series this year to preach on, and this is what I'm going to, you know, dig into for my sermon series, uh, obviously very different because podcasting and sermon series are, are different things. So, uh, but the, the premise and the context essentially is going to be similar or connected or the same in some places. And so um, we're walking actually through our Bible study on the church and my, the Patreons that we have, uh, we're walking ourselves through the, uh, first few texts of the life of Jesus. And so we're looking at uh, Matthew 1, Luke chapter 2, John chapter 1. We're looking at those three points and walking ourselves through this journey. Obviously, John doesn't really give us, you know, the advent. We don't have the, the birth of Christ in this. But what we get is the word becoming flesh. And so we we see that Jesus is, in fact, God, despite what a lot of the naysayers like to uh, push down our throat. So uh, John chapter one gives us a very beautiful insight into that as how the word becomes flesh. And I think between John, John one uh, verses one and two and three and then down in verse 14, I think that really um, solidifies our position as Christians and, you know, and so I, I pondered this sermon series and I came across this idea of keeping Christ in Christmas. And, and what it really involves is not this necessity of us going out and, and actively fighting against the secular world. I'm going to actually give some statistics here in a few minutes, but it's not about us Christians going out and, and engaging you know, the, the big box corporations that have removed, you know, the word Christ or removed Christmas. But what 
our position should be is to recognize the purpose of the season, the understanding of the holiness of the season and continuously be reminded because I find that to be the biggest piece for Christians is they, we, we have to be reminded, you know, Luther says it best. I have to be reminded of the gospel every day because I'll forget it. And I, and I'm pretty sure every theologian has echoed that through the ages because at the end of the day, we, 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 we stumble and fall and, and we lose sight of the meaning of the season. And we get ourselves so wrapped up in the costs of things and the, the food and the gifts and all of that, that we lose sight of the original purpose and that Christ came to earth for us. Christ came to us. So that is the purpose. And that is going to be kind of the focus uh, of this series uh, I will try to keep the messages shorter uh, about the 30 minute mark as we go through this. And so uh, we'll see kind of how that plays out. So I, I wanted to uh, share a little bit of history with me uh, before I became a pastor. And before I was in ministry, uh, I worked in retail for a number of years. And then I transitioned into corporate IT and I worked corporate IT for about 10 years. Um, so between the years 2004 and 2010, I worked in retail at some capacity. The last four and a half years, I worked for Best Buy, and I was a manager with them, and I worked with them for a number of years, and I enjoyed my job, but I knew that I wasn't going to go where I wanted to be, so I left and went into corporate IT. With that said, I, I remember, you know, probably around 2006 to 2008, this kind of the genre essentially shifting. It, it, the context of the holidays became less about the, the actual word Christmas and more about enjoying the holidays. And I use that in air quotes. And so, you know, they want to, con they want to combine Thanksgiving, Christmas and new years and say happy holidays. And so, I remember working for Best Buy and one year it was like, you know, celebrating Christmas. And then the next year it was celebrating Xmas, which uh, I think Nick has a, an episode on Christ is the Cure that uh, talks about that um, or he's done a podcast. I'm pretty sure it was he's done something. Um, but then they move away from that and then it was like happy holidays. And so now, you know, there was that kind of fight, if you would. Uh, of removing Christ out of Christmas. And, and really, if we, if we really think about it, the secular world has never had Christ in Christmas. It was never about his birth. Uh, and, and to really highlight that point, all we have to do is watch any Christmas movie and, and you'll see that Christ is a hundred percent absent from a majority of them. Now, funny enough, a movie like home alone, which takes place over Christmas uh, has a particular scene where, you know, uh, the kid goes into a church and, you know, meets kind of his neighbor who he, he was scared of. And, you know, and, and you can see some uh, some points of Christmas kind of tying into reconciliation because you get to see his this story of his neighbor and Kevin, who's the little boy being you know brought back and reconciled with his parents after being left home alone. Uh, I love the movie. And and I think it's one of the few that actually even. Uh, highlight what Christmas is really about. Um, now, I mean, I love Christmas movies. And so movies like Elf and the Santa Claus and, and all those movies out there, <clears throat> they don't talk about Jesus, though. It, it's about 
Santa Claus and his elves, the North Pole and gifts. And, and I find it interesting that we as Christians kind of sometimes get so torn and taught on the idea that the society is removing Christ. Well, Christ was never there in their viewpoint to begin. And it's, it's really a complex process really that we are undertaking it for ourselves and, and one that's unnecessary at that because what we're trying to do is we're, we're, we're taking the fight to a, a secular world that wants absolutely nothing to do with Christ. And, and I, and I want to highlight some of these uh, facts around Christmas around spending because Christmas is a, a hallmark holiday. Now it's a, uh, you know, a point where people go in and spend a ridiculous amount of money and build up debt and then spend the next 11 months paying it off. And so here's some of these stats that I came up with. In 2018, U.S. households spent on average $1,536 during Christmas. In 2019, that average dropped to 1496 Holiday retail sales in 2008 surpassed $1 trillion. And in 2019, that amount increased by about 4.5%. Americans spend on average $123 on their spouses for Christmas. 22% of Americans believe that their Christmas spending will leave them in debt. Uh, here's some Christmas shoppers and buying habits 62% of Americans buy their gifts a week before Christmas. 28.8% uh, of Christmas shoppers start their Christmas shopping in November. And it goes on here. 51% of Christmas shoppers buy the gifts for themselves, yada, yada, yada. But what I'm really just shocked at overall is, is how much each year people spend on, on gifts. And so here's another uh, source. It says a consistent growth in the amount of people on Christmas gifts from 2016 to, to 2019 uh, this yearly uh, trend is as follows. In 16, it was $589 spent uh, and all the way up to 659 in 2019. So progressive increase over that. Um, with coronavirus, they estimate that 2020 uh, is down uh, 1%. So it's not that, you know, even the coronavirus took a big hit on shopping because there was still other avenues to be able to pick up, you know, their gifts and such as, you know, Amazon, which has become a, a monster in the world uh, in terms of having a reliable source of ordering product and, and all sorts of tools and things. I mean, you can get almost anything you want off Amazon nowadays. It's quite uh, incredible just uh, how much, is out there. And so it has created this com competition between, you know, the mortar uh, brick and mortar stores and, and the online shopping, because you can conveniently shop from your home without having to go and, and hit the crowds. But then you're, you know, you're kind of at the mercy of shipping and stuff like that. And you run into, am I going to get my gifts on time? If, especially if you're a procrastinator. So, you know, Christmas spending, wherever you fall is, is, you know, that's on you. It's not anything that I'm taking a, a, a target.
target at. But what I'm trying to get to in all of this is that we have, as Americans, corrupted the concept of Christmas for this idea of gift giving and 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 have removed Christ from that from that picture. And my wife and I watched a movie the other night, and it, it's got some you know vulgar language in it as most movies do these days but it's called four christmases it's got vince vaughn in it and there's a particular scene in there that really i think shows true to kind of the heart of man and you know uh, vince vaughn plays a wealthy person in this movie and so he buys gifts for his family um and uh little does he know that his his side of the family puts price restrictions because they are not as well off. And so they decided that they would stick to a $10 per gift uh, per kid for that year. And so each kid would get a $10 gift. That was the agreed upon amount of money. And so um, Vince Vaughn comes in to his dad's house and he gives uh, his nephew this big box and he opens it and it's an Xbox, I don't know, 360 or whatever the time was. And, you know, the one kid was really ecstatic and, and Vince's brother was like, well, where'd you find an Xbox for $10? And, and then it goes to the next kid, his other nephew, and he opens a package from his, from his father and it's a flashlight (laughs) and the disappointment and anger that comes over this kid's face is, is I, you know, in my opinion, the, the, the staple to how corrupt a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And darken our hearts have become around this season because we we get so lost in this. I must give you better gifts than you got last year or more gifts than you got last year. Um, or I have to outspend what I spent on you last year. 
and get you the newest tech, the latest gadgets, the best clothes. And it just, the list goes on and on. Uh, another movie series out there that really highlights kind of the greed of people. Uh, if you watch, and some of you may or may not, but I think it's funny that in Harry Potter, in the first book, uh, Dudley, his uh, cousin, is a spoiled child. <laughs> and in this framework, his uh, parents give him have to give him more gifts every year, and he counts and remembers how many he got the previous year. And his dad is like, well, you know, I gave you, you know, the same amount you had last year and these were more expensive. And he goes, that's not what I want. I want, you know, more gifts than I had. And so they're like, well, we'll go buy you more gifts. <laughs> and it's just that those types of interactions, even though they're in movies and that, I, I find them to exist in life. Because they're, they're, you know, what we see in the cinema is a direct reflection of the heart of man. And so we find ourselves so caught into this concept of gift giving and we miss out on the greatest gift given and that is to us from god and so i want to read a little bit of john chapter one and i want that to be our focal point for the rest of this show john writes in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him was not anything that was made in him was life and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came bearing witness about the light. The true light, which comes, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But they all, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. And and that some concludes there on verse 14. There's a little bit more. But I, I find that those 14 verses really are a staple to Christianity. And 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 really John's gospel is a beautiful gospel. And I and I had the ability and privilege to sit down with Chris from Ezra Reads the Law. And we did two episodes on John chapter 3. Uh, so you can go back and listen to those on his show, Ezra Reads a Law, or they're uh, on this platform as well. And we talk about the interaction between Nicodemus and uh, Jesus. And then we have another episode where we talk about um, the John 3.16 and, and through the end of the chapter and really the gospel proclamation that stands right there. And and I find that as Christians, we we, we take for granted John 3.16 and 317 and 318 and, and all that little context. And, and I think we say, well, you know, you know, I believe and, and that's all well and fine, but I have all my problems that I have to handle and I have to deal with all this stuff first before I can go to church or before I can, you know, uh, partake in, in, in some, any sort of giving or whatever their excuse may be. And, and I find that Christians are trying to 
justify their worldly contention versus resting in the promises of Christ. And, you know, and it comes down to this, where do we find our rest? Where do we find our contentment? Where do we find our peace in? Are we finding it in the things of the world or are we finding it in scripture? And one of the kind of arches here that I want to really highlight is the fact that in this season of Advent that we are in, we began Advent last this past Sunday, uh, November 28th, and goes for four Sundays before Christmas. In these few weeks, we as Christians are given this privilege to reflect upon the coming of Christ. And it's not something that we are essentially anticipating for the future, but it's something that's already happened. And so when you, when you look at like a liturgical calendar and you see uh, the, the uh, scripture passages given, they will often walk through the gospel and they cycle. There's a three-year cycle, a one-year cycle, and a two-year cycle. So there's year A, B, and C, and then they, you know, break it down from there. But uh, I traditionally use a three-year cycle and that means that I will cycle through each gospel once, probably about every three years. And then in one year, it kind of combines two of the gospels. And in that framework, when we get to Advent season, it has all of our readings listed out for us. What do we read in the Old Testament? What do we read in the New Testament? What do we read in the gospel message for that day? Now, not all churches, especially in the Lutheran Senate, follow a uh, the liturgical calendar and you know, to a T, um, many pastors will do sermon series or they'll find a passage to preach out outside of the, the liturgical calendar. But we as a church decided that for Advent season, we wanted to start off our season with the actual scripture that's given us on uh, in the in the calendar. And the reason because the liturgical calendar begins with the end in sight. And so we start Advent with the anticipation of Christ coming back for us. And, and that's the anticipation that Christians should be resting in. It's no longer this waiting for Christ to be born because that's already happened. He's already come and lived and died and is now in heaven seated at the right hand of God. That has already taken place. And so what we need to as Christians is to recognize the fact that we are anticipating the coming of Christ in his return for us. And also we sit and reflect upon this, uh, the, the notion that Christ has already been here. So Advent season should be a, a time where we can reflect back on this great gift that God has given us in the form of the, his son coming to us in the in, in a virgin's womb and being born of a man, born of the flesh, born under the law, and moves us into this great story of Jesus Christ. And so uh, I'm going to kind of walk ourselves through the first 14 verses here um, of, of John. I'm just going to highlight a few things that I find to be exceptionally important. Um, the if we go back to verse one in the beginning, this is before creation. Uh, the Greek word here, logos, uh, translated to English as logic and ology, referring to uh, reason, meaning, and study, describes not only the divine self-expression, 
but the pre-existent Christ as the following shows. Uh, and then there's a little sub note here, which I'm going to kick over to, and it's got Christ as wisdom. And it says, according to the, and this is kind of long, so I'm going to summarize a little bit here. It says, according to the Proverbs, wisdom was already in eternity before the creation of the world and consequently before there was ever such a thing as time. Along the same lines, Jesus said, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence, your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. That is quoted out of John 17, verse 5. In uh, Proverbs 8, wisdom is given birth by God, even though wisdom was present from eternity. Likewise, Jesus is God's only begotten son. That is his only son, John 3, 16. John's gospel begins with the description of Jesus as the word. This description connects Jesus with the wisdom of Proverbs, which calls out and makes its appeals. John declares that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Wisdom was also present in the beginning uh, with God. So, uh, a nice, neat little subsection there, and, it, and there's a whole a whole bunch more that goes on um, in this uh, particular study Bible. And so, uh, if you wanted to know, I, I generally take my notes out of the Lutheran Study Bible, and and that's where I get most of my resources from when I do any sort of preaching or teaching or anything of that nature. So, uh, here's what uh, Augustine says on uh, verse one. And John here says, we are speaking of God. What marvel if you do not comprehend for if you comprehend, he is not God to reach to God by uh, in any measure by the hand is a great blessedness, but to comprehend him is altogether impossible. And so what he's getting at here is this understanding that we will never completely fully understand the triune nature of God, this desire to have his son sent to us. Uh, and die for our sins. Uh, this whole notion of mercy and all that, it, it it shows God's great love for us, but to comprehend God and to comprehend his motive is impossible. And, you know, we can even argue to the stature that Jesus had been set aside, God's only son from eternity's past before the beginning to come in the form of flesh. And then it gets into some interesting theology because we can argue that, you know, did God know that the fall would happen? Did, you know, God foresee any of that? Or did God know that man would, would eventually stumble and that Christ would be that redeemer? Or was he a backup plan? It's all sorts of stuff that we'll, uh, we might tackle as the season moves along. But for today's premise in today's episode, I really just want to focus on these words of John 1 and this notion here that this is the physical coming of God. Uh, so I want to go down to verse 13. It says, who, uh, kind of backtrack a little bit, just to verse 12 towards the end of it here. It says, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Is what Luther says. He says, these words are the evangelist's confrontation, as it were, to all those who lay claim to anything within themselves of which they may boast. However good or rich it may be, or however much of it there may be, it contributes nothing towards becoming a child of God. 
The work, the new birth, is from God. Luther goes on to say, Jesus alone imparts his this birth, granting believers in him privilege, the right, and the power to become God's children. And then moving down to verse 14, uh, the word becoming flesh, God's word is embodied. John elsewhere refers to Jesus' humanity in John 4, 6, 11, 35, and 19, 28. The word is, that is, the Son of God, John 1, 14, assumes the human nature in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So there are two natures, the divine and the human, inseparably joined in one person. There is one Christ, true God, and true man. And this is coming out of uh, the Lutheran Confession, the Book of Concord, and talking about the divinity of Jesus. The divine essence is not changed into a human nature, but the two natures unchanged are personally united. So again, there's there's been brilliant theologians over the course of history who have attempted to understand this concept of the divine nature and the human nature and all of that. And we've had, I've been on debates with people, you know, in terms of, the you know the natures of christ and and how that is supposed to be comprehended and it's always comes down to the fact that all we can truly say is we know that god or that jesus is truly god and truly man and at that same time he has both attributes of god the father god the son and god the holy spirit he understands the triune god he is the triune god and on the other end he's man and he understands man's attributes and emotions uh, because we see throughout the text that Jesus experiences emotions, uh, tiredness, hunger, and he weeps, sadness, things like that. So he has, both of them are joined inseparably into one person, and that is Jesus. So um, we get into this interesting season, and again, I want to really just let us rest on this notion that despite everything going on in the world, uh, whatever COVID variance is floating out there in the nethers, whatever the government is telling you, whatever the world is telling you, all of that pales in comparison to the, to the reminder that Christ has come and has lived among us and has died for us and has forgiven us of our sin. That is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And it doesn't doesn't take us having to wait till Christmas morning to get it. It has already happened. Christ has already come. And now we get to relish upon that fact and preach about that fact and share that fact with other people that Christ, the Messiah, that has been foretold throughout the Old Testament, come has come and lived among us and died a death for us so that we may be reconciled to God. And so I pray that this Advent season for you is one of joy and, and happiness and contentment and one that does not see you getting swayed by the world and having to empty your pocketbook on meaningless gifts that your kids are going to throw away the next day. Spend time teaching your family about Christ, relish on the promise that God has given us, and walk out that faith in your life. Guys, until next Friday, we will continue our Advent series. I pray that you will check us out on youtube you'll see my sermon series as we as i go through this series and and i pray that you are edified and given the gentle reminder that christ has died for you this promise is for you so until next week god bless and uh, merry christmas
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.